Empires and Billy West. Or Stimson J. Cat or Lynn Hart. Shut up, you fool! And I'm Dr. Zoidberg, and I'm saying hello with Professor Hubert Farnsworth and your old Captain Zap Brannigan. You're listening to Two Broke Geeks. Joy! We'll always be with you. No one's ever really gone. You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. Geeks, I'm Matt. Uh, Justin's not on this episode. He uh, only just barely ba- uh, arrived back in Vermont. He's hanging out with his mom and his dad and his sister and his nephew. And so I am here from, uh, I am here with, rather, from Dark Tower Radio, my good buddy Jeremy Lloyd. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I uh... yeah, well, you've been on. I've been on your show enough times that I'm like, man, I gotta get Jeremy on here to talk about <laughs> something other than uh, what we talk about on his show. But since you've never been on this show before, Jeremy, uh, introduce uh, Dark Tower Radio. Introduce yourself. Talk about that for a minute. Uh, well, I have my own podcast called Dark Tower Radio. It's a Stephen King centric podcast where we talk about all things in the worlds of Stephen King. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the novels, short stories, stuff like that. Uh, we also talk about, you know, the adaptations and, uh, pretty much anything with Stephen King. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a geek podcast for Stephen King geeks, or as we call Mm -hmm. ourselves, constant readers. So, yes, uh, (laughs) I always have a great time being on your show. So, um, because I, uh, I'm a, of course, people that listen to this show know, and you know, obviously, I'm a big Stephen King fan, and um, I don't get a chance to talk to a lot of uh, other readerly people in my everyday life. In fact, I just started listening to another podcast called Reading Glasses, that is literally, <laughs> literally just a show about like book culture and being a reader and different things like that it's pretty good i enjoy it so well you know me i'm always like you know neck deep in books that i'm reading and i actually started some recently that aren't even stephen king just Mm -hmm. because i you know for one reason or another some for you know some of the stuff we're going to talk about uh you know here in a bit but yeah i'm I actually started listening to a, another podcast recently called Based on a True Story. It's a really, really in-depth uh, podcast where the host like looks at movies based on historical events and kind of oh, analyzes cool. them. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's really efficient, too. I mean, his episodes are usually only like an hour long, so it's not really a mm-hmm. huge commitment, but... I've been like hooked on that lately. I, I've been like binge listening to a lot of these episodes on movies that I really like, just kind of seeing how accurate they are in terms of historical. I'm actually gonna have to look at that because I was I don't watch like a ton of uh, based on a true story movies. I do like uh, like biopics, uh, especially mm-hmm. like. Uh, my favorite movie of last year. And I know it's probably not super true to life or anything like that, but it was a fairly honest movie, which surprised me, uh, which is uh rocket man. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. Elton John movie. Um, I was surprised since Elton is alive and like was heavily involved in because you never know with those movies how honest if they're based on a living person how you know how they're gonna go but like that the whole movie is literally set around him going to rehab like it's him (laughs) telling the story at rehab of his entire life and i'm like oh i kind of appreciate that honesty not just in a biopic, but in a biopic of a living person who is heavily involved in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm a huge fan of biopics too. I mean, I'm I'm just a sucker for them. But I, it was kind of cool, even though I would have loved it either way. Like it was kind of cool to see that one do like something a little different than the mm. usual formula that yes. they usually do. You know, I mean, it still had all the all the the usual stuff, the rise and fall story arc that you usually see in them but it was really creative how it mm-hmm. how it approached it i i had a great time with it i actually enjoyed that one a lot more than bohemian rhapsody i you know weirdly enough i never ended up seeing bohemian rhapsody just because i know enough people that saw it that went you know what i was actually disappointed in that movie that made me go ah maybe i'll watch it someday but i'm not in as much of a hurry to see it anymore I mean, it's got great performances, obviously. I mean, Robbie Malik, I think mm-hmm. is his name. I mean, really, I mean, he's he's amazing in it. But um, just the Rocket Man movie was just, yeah. it was just a lot of fun. You know, the other one I really enjoyed, and it's another one, again, that um, I'm not sure how true to life or anything it was, but uh, The Dirt, the Motley Crue movie mm. on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and that one also had a unique kind of approach where there's like a whole like drug haze scene and everything and also there was a point in the movie that made me laugh really hard and again it was appreciating the honesty where uh like they stopped the scene and uh, one of the band members pointed at another guy and went this guy is not a real person he's like an amalgamation of two (laughs) real life people who Basically, we just jam them together to make this story go faster and better. Okay, got it? Good. And they started the scene again. It was like, oh, there's something I've never seen before. Like, they're admitting we made this guy up to, like, save time. So it kind of, like, broke the fourth wall kind of thing. Yeah. So Yeah, there was a... Uh, it kind of reminds me, there was a biopic on Netflix about... Um, the uh, kind of the history of the national lampoon um oh yeah yeah i haven't seen it but i ah shit what was the name of that movie i can't remember um i was actually it's a a futile and stupid gesture yes um that's got um will forte as as doug kenny who is like the founder of national lampoon Mm -hmm. um but it's it's it was a I mean I went into it not really knowing much about National Lampoon other than obviously I've seen like the movies and stuff mm-hmm. but you know I didn't It was like a history was, of like the magazine right Yeah and, I mean it yeah. was like kind of like a it, it was like a biopic um mm-hmm. you know and I Doug Kenny obviously I mean if you don't know like he he died pretty young of yep. a supposed suicide but um it was it's I, told it, that's the one it's told like 
he's dead, right? And then telling the the movie or is it, that? It's it's kind of I mean what made me think of it was you were talking about how the dirt breaks the fourth wall mm-hmm. and this one kind of does the same thing where you have like this um this actor sort of playing you think is like an older Doug Kenny kind of telling the story like kind mm-hmm. of in the bits of the story unraveling before you yep. so it's kind of like kind of like what you were just saying how it's like hey you know this guy was you know you know, just kind of commentating on what's going on in the movie as you're mm-hmm. watching it. Uh, but it was, I mean, it was really good. I mean, as a person who's a huge, you know, fan of, you know, comedy and, yep. you know, it's kind of cool to see, you know, how the National Lampoon came about. And, you know, and the whole thing with SNL, there was like this bitter kind of rivalry between Lauren Michaels and Doug Kenny. Mm-hmm. Um it was just, I mean, if you get a chance to check it out, I would, I would highly recommend it. Um, yeah, I've, I, I heard about it once and I can't exactly remember. It was an interview with somebody. Maybe it was, it was maybe an interview with Seth Green. Maybe I was listening to, cause I'm looking at the cast right now. Cause I'm like, I know I heard about this movie from someone that was in it and uh just trying to make sure yeah i guess it was probably from seth green so yeah the guy that plays chevy chase i I always forget his name um let me take a look at the cast right here i see somebody playing oh uh, it's joel McHale. joel McHale. that's it yeah he does a really great job as chevy chase cool but yeah, if you, I, I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not. They used to have that on there, and then they a, had a actual documentary about the National Lampoon as well. Yeah, it looks like it's a Netflix original, so it probably is on there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, right. I'd recommend it. I am going to have to check that out. Cool. What are you reading right now, out of curiosity? Oh, man, I... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, you know... Uh, Since we were talking about books earlier, and I know I yeah. just pivoted hardcore, but... <laughs> I, you know, I started reading uh, The Man in the High Castle because mm. I, I, I dove headfirst into the the series on Amazon, uh, and yep. I, I, I am late to the party on just about every TV series, so yeah, I know, like... <laughs> kind of old news for some people who may be listening but like i i guess during this whole quarantine or you know it's not really even a quarantine anymore but there's nothing really to do you know Mm, so i i finally have some time to actually sit down and dedicate you know to watching series which i usually don't um so yeah i i started watching man in the high castle and i i pretty much wrapped it up i think i have like one or two episodes left it only lasted four mm. seasons but yeah I, the uh, wife and i watched all that uh only a few months ago we watched that so not too long before you watched it we were equally we were almost equally behind on it but uh did you did you dig man in the high castle up to this point even though you only have <laughs> even though you still have a couple episodes left or because I haven't been I, able to talk to anybody but my wife about this show yet. <laughs> I really dug the first three seasons. And mm-hmm. then um, for anyone that doesn't know, they 
the show got canceled pretty much. They they yeah. pretty much told them the show is being canceled, so they had one more season to kind of wrap everything up. And it unfortunately it it kind of has that thing that shows have that get canceled where they have to wrap things up where that mm-hmm. last season just kind of feels like it's rushed and kind of put together like you could tell they had to kind of abandon some of the plot lines that they were probably going to explore a little for even like some main characters just kind of disappear or they get killed off screen Yeah. yeah um I was shocked, and guys, we're gonna. Oh, by the way, I, I gotta say spoilers here, just because. Um, I, I guess I'm gonna say spoilers and everything now. My buddy Andy, uh, not the. I have two friends named Andy, so not Andy DiGenova, who you know. This is a different Andy. Uh, called me out uh, a couple episodes back because Andy was like, "Dude, spoiler warnings when you're gonna talk about stuff that's important." <laughs> because we were Justin and I were just talking about Doom Patrol, which is more recent than Man in the High Castle, but we were just talking openly about Doom Patrol, and he hadn't seen the most recent episode yet. So, um, but uh, like uh, the guy. Shit, I'm now I'm blanking on the characters' names, but he is the boyfriend uh, early on in the series, and he ends up just. And I'm not saying it's okay for I'm, main characters can get killed, but just all of a sudden, just one episode, it's like, oh, and he's gone. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even his uh, buddy uh, Ed, who mm. uh, everyone would know the actor from that movie, the new guy that came yeah, out. Yeah, he's in. That's a. Oh, I love that guy. He's um, <laughs> for anybody. Uh, his name DJ Quail. Uh, DJ Qualls. Yeah, he was also in Creepshow. In yeah, he was. He was on a. Yeah, he was in a great episode of Creepshow. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, he just like he was in the season finale of the third season, and you thought like, I mean, his, his story. I mean. I guess they could have wrapped it up there, but Mm -hmm. like he easily could have went on and like, he just isn't even mentioned in the last season that I'm aware of. Ended up staying in the neutral zone, right. And just like getting a boyfriend and just staying in safety. Right. Well, he, at the end Mm. of season three, him and the, um, his boyfriend and then the guy that owns the American antiquity shop, they, they go up to the top of one of the buildings in the Pacific States in San Francisco and they drop like a huge painting that, right. you know, yep. and then the that's the last painting. time you see him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mostly like we liked it for the most part, but you're right. Season four is kind of like, oh, yeah, they got canceled and you can tell they got canceled. And I, I texted you. I didn't give away the end, and I'm still not going to, but we, uh, my wife and I, we got to the last episode, and we kind of went, oh, okay, that's an ending. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a great concept. I do I like mean, it. Yep. And that's why I started reading the book, because I was like, well, I, I want to see, you know, what, what this is based on. And I know mm-hmm. the book is, is pretty light, so I know they had to add a lot to get, you know, oh, yeah. three seasons out of it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I started reading that after I got into that. Um, so I got that in my Audible queue. And then um, I actually, I, I've gotten back on a Michael Crichton kick 
Um, and that's, I think, because I started watching Westworld. Um, mm-hmm. So I got, I'm all caught up on Westworld. <laughs> and it, you know, finding out that, you know, I had heard about Westworld for a couple years now, everybody talking about it. And I just, for one, I didn't have HBO until mm-hmm. recently. So, um, so now I'm yeah. able to check it out. Me and my wife were like, you know, let, let's check this out. Everybody has been talking about it. And then finding out that it was based on something that Michael Crichton had done, like back in like the eighties or something. I believe so. Yeah. Let me just check real quick. But, uh, yeah, Westworld has one of my favorite action scenes ever. And it is in season one and everyone that's seen season one. It's the, uh, musical paint it black Mm. bank robbery or uh, saloon (laughs) robbery scene. It's just so well paced. And so God, I love that scene. Uh, let's see, Westworld, uh, written and directed by Michael. Yeah, the original film was written and directed by. Oh, I didn't realize it was directed by Michael Crichton as well. I knew it had been written by Michael Crichton. The original film. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that he directed it. I've I've been kind of curious, like to try to find it. I guess to check it out. I mean, I know it's probably dated, but. Oh God, Justin watched it not that long ago. It's on. Something currently. Uh, I can't remember what. He liked it. He said it was pretty good. I actually have never seen it. He and his uh, roommates watched it while they were in quarantine out in California. Uh, Trying to see here. Normally, if you Google something, it can say Westworld. Of course, every time I Googled Westworld, all I get is the (laughs) series. Let me be more specific. Westworld movie. See if it will tell me where it's streaming. Uh, well, no, it's not showing me where it's streaming right now either. I think I just saw... Oh, it might be on Netflix. Maybe. Because there's also a sequel called Future World, and I saw that on one of the streaming services the other day, but I can't remember which one because I have Hulu, Netflix... Amazon and uh, HBO Max. Well, it's interesting. I'm looking at the uh, the Wikipedia page for the <clears throat> the Michael Crichton film, and mm-hmm. the poster is done by Neil Adams. Yeah, and it stars the uh, the guy that played the Pharaoh in the Ten Commandments movie, Yul Brenner. Yeah. It's got Yul Brenner and uh, James Brolin. Mm-hmm. So and Majel Barrett, who was um, if, for anybody that doesn't know who Majel Barrett is, she was in Star Trek. She was uh, married. Well, she was married to Gene Roddenberry, but she was in Star Trek. She was the voice of the computer for. Uh, all of well, and she was Deanna Troy's mother, but she was also the voice of the computer in Star Trek: The Next Generation. So, oh. yeah, actually, yeah, she was the voice of the computer for maybe until she died. So uh, she may have been for even more than one series because she died in two thousand eight. So she may have been in more than just Next Next Gen as the voice of the computer, but I can't r- recall off the top of my head. So, so yeah, what I'm you, gonna have to hmm. check that out. 
So you, I remember from just texting back and forth with you, you have a different opinion on (laughs) your, which I'm interested in. I think it's good because Justin and I pretty much agree on Westworld in terms of season two versus season three. You seem to have an opposite opinion of season two versus season three, which I'm interested to dive into. I really liked season one. Uh, I loved season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea where it was going to go from there. Um, you know, there's so much build up to like what's beyond Westworld. Yeah. And when you get to the real world in season three, it just kind of drops you in. And mm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what my expectations were, but I guess mm-hmm. like it just did not even it didn't even reach anywhere near, I guess, what my expectations would be. And I, gotcha. I thought, I thought the story was kind of like, I, I see what they were going for. Just mm-hmm. the whole parallel between, you know, Westworld and the real world kind of being one and the same and that you don't really have any control over your life. Like right. everything is pretty much kind of dictated, you know, or planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that. I mean, there's just, I don't know. I just feel like there was there there's like some episodes in between season three or season two and three that we just never saw that would kind of tie it together a little better. Maybe. I yeah, gu- I guess I just sense. don't like how it dropped us in season three the way it did, and we're just kind of. Mm. And I know that's kind of how Westworld is though, because even season one and and you know season two, you're kind it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn show, and you don't really get all the answers until you get to like the last couple episodes yeah you know so i mean i can't fault it for that because it did that in season one and two but um, i'll tell you why just personally what my issue and i've got i haven't gone back and revisited season two to give it a second chance but like in season one one of the things i ended up loving besides the fact that it was so well made and everything is you didn't know until like the penultimate episode like that or maybe even the two or three episodes before the end that everything you you didn't know that jimmy smith's character was also the man in black you thought all this stuff was kind of happening Mm -hmm. at the same time in the park and then at the end you find out you've been watching everything out of order and that you kind of piece it all together and it becomes this big revelation Whereas season two to me seemed like, okay, we're going to let you know right away that you're because Bernard has his fractured memory and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you know that some things you're seeing are out of Bernard's memory and some things are happening in the real world. And I felt it was a more frustrating watch going wait is this happening in bernard's head is this happening in the in real time is this um, Mm -hmm. something i felt they in season two they took their non-linear storytelling from season one which worked because you didn't know it was non-linear and then dropped you into okay now you know this is non-linear try and figure out for yourself what order it's supposed to go in (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, it can, I mean, I I really like that aspect, but it can be frustrating, and Mm -hmm. season three didn't really do that, like season one and two did, but I don't know, it's it's one of those weird things, because I know I'm going to be kind of a hypocrite here, because, like, I'm going to compare it to something that I actually like that they're moving away from the norm, but, like, it's kind of like, you know, his other, 
his other big name franchise that people know, and that's Jurassic Park. It's like, after I got out of Westworld, I realized mm-hmm. how much more fun I was having in Westworld than actually leaving Westworld, kind of like how Jurassic Park, it's like, well, once the dinosaurs get off the island, like, some people are like, yeah, you know, okay. it's, it, you know, but I mean, again, I'm a hypocrite, though, because I'm the person that's waving the flag, like, hey, I love all these Jurassic World mm-hmm. sequels, because sure. they are doing something, but I sure, think sure. that's, I think with Westworld, though, I think I had so much fun with this concept of, like, this fake reality, and, like, this it, it was kind of mm-hmm. cool because, like, with season two, you started realizing there was other parks. And yeah. I was, like, I was really fascinated by that. And then we kind of, like, in season three, obviously, we, we get away from all that. And I was, like, oh, I kind of want to know, they, like, what other worlds it. there are. <laughs> I liked the parts when Maeve was trapped in... War world, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, and then she realized, like, her boyfriend had been reprogrammed and didn't remember her because she's the only one besides um, a couple of the others that can, like, remember despite being reprogrammed and yada yada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked seeing her in the war world, but you're right. There was also like safari world and like shogun yeah. world and like we ah, we need to see. I wonder if season four they'll take us back to Westworld, even though um, uh, all this other stuff is happening out in the real world, though. Honestly, I think if I'm really being honest, I think my biggest problem with season three was I didn't care for the antagonists that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Because obviously I loved a lot of the new characters. Aaron Paul, I love Aaron Paul. Yep. So, I mean... Uh, but, yeah, the antagonists, the whole... The two brothers that created this, you know, yeah. algorithm thing. And it yep. just... I like though that they're gone now and that we're going back to the uh it's hard to say though if like evan rachel wood's character even though she's quote-unquote dead she's a robot so Uh you know dolores could potentially come back but also there is dolores she's not really dolores anymore (laughs) i guess because she's more (laughs) Uh, we were calling her Dolores, uh, Dolores Charlotte, but I guess now she's kind of morphed into being more Charlotte than Dolores. But she and the the uh, Man in Black, mm, dro- yeah. and they have another huge threat out there that they completely ignored in season three, which they've got to get back to, which is from the end of uh, season two, where the Man in Black host goes back to Westworld only it's like way in the future and it's destroyed and you're like well what the hell is this about Mm -hmm. unless that was just to show you that William was going to become a host (laughs) I don't know I mean the whole time we were watching the series we were like Man, like, how long is Ed Harris going to last in this thing? I mean, every time you think, like, okay, mm-hmm. he's he's done, he's dead, mm-hmm. like, he just keeps coming back. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... well, luckily they killed 
well, not quote-unquote luckily, they killed living Ed Harris, and now they're yeah. just host Ed Harris. <laughs> so, But there was a couple times where I thought he was dead and he, he came back, so who knows? I mean, like you said, I mean, you, I obviously you could bring back a a uh, host yeah or dolores version um well also i also they left everything completely open with bernard like they didn't focus mm -hmm. anywhere near as much on bernard in season three as i wanted them to i mean how did you feel i mean i like i said i love darren paul but how did you feel about him kind of becoming like the I guess the main protagonist kind of focal point of the season. Um, it ended up working for me only because if Dolores's whole plan was, I need to wake the humans up to the fact that their whole lives are controlled. She probably needed a human ally like she needed somebody that was for whatever reason i'm not sure why exactly she felt like she needed a human but mm -hmm. i guess maybe she did feel like she needed a human although i will say with aaron paul's character my favorite revelation was when because i thought it was really good character work and really emotional when you finally realized that who he was talking to the voice of his friend was a simulation to try and help him cope with the grief of his dead friend. Uh, cause it was like an episode of black mirror. Yeah. I mean, I like the revelation mm. that that was kind of a cool, cause I, I mean, I guess you could say that was kind of the whole thing with season three, how they, I guess, there was like that uh, breadcrumbs that they were putting out for you to follow to kind of learn who Aaron mm -hmm. Paul really was and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I, I liked all that. I thought that worked really well. I will say the season three, I mean, and obviously they had a bigger budget, but man, I like the one thing I will say, I liked a lot of the technology and the, mm -hmm. just the thematic look of the real world with yeah. all the vehicles and stuff. Oh, yeah. that was freaking awesome. They, uh, yeah, they. I was going to say they did put some money into, like, building... I mean, they have, like, entire fleets. Well, maybe not fleets. It's hard to tell. It could be camera tricks, could be CGI. But they definitely have several self-driving, very futuristic-looking SUVs. And that motorcycle may or may not be real. It was hard to tell. <laughs> um they did well, and I mean, <laughs> with season one and two, I mean, it was all like it was literally a Wild West town. I mean, mm -hmm. that's pretty. I mean, they did have obviously some really cool, like futuristic technology in the first two seasons that they showed yeah. off. But I, I mean, obviously, the third season they really had to go mm -hmm. for it to show that you know what kind of future, what kind of fu what the future looks like that has a. a theme park that looks like an old west that you can go visit with these mm -hmm. you know kind of cyborg beings and i think they I think they hit it out of the park with it. i mean it was that is one thing i will say i like i did like the way the world looked like the future mm -hmm. world it was just kind of the 
I don't know. I, I feel like Dolores came in the season three, like knowing more than the audience did. Whereas I yeah. thought you were going to kind of go on the journey with her. But when we meet her in season three, she kind of already knows like all this stuff that we're like, wait, what? What's yeah, going there was, on? There like... was, a, there was a, a pretty spacious time jump between season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good one. Yeah. I've forgotten about like, that's, I think that's probably my biggest thing is like, mm-hmm. I wish there wasn't so much of a time jump. If we would have got like a little, even if they would have done like some flashbacks where we could be like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she kind of comes in like season three. Like she's all like, she's comfortable in the real world. She knows what's going down. She knows all the key players and you're just yeah. kind of like, okay, like I, I don't have any idea what's going on. I think, yeah, I, because this is a, a Nolan joint, not a Christopher Nolan, but Jonathan Nolan, they seem to have a similar uh, game they like. I guess game maybe isn't the right. They have a similar propensity, I guess is the right word, for making the audience play catch up. Like... Um, well, I guess I could jump to uh, Christopher Nolan's Memento. Like, Memento mm-hmm. is an entire movie of just puzzle solving and playing catch-up and being like, wait, what happened? <laughs> and, wait, are we supposed to know that? Like, so maybe that's yeah. something Jonathan got from his brother in terms of putting story together. <laughs> That's true. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, yeah, he's he's been a partner on writing a lot of Chris's mm-hmm. movies. So, yeah, yeah that's I, and I think I noticed that at some point when we were watching Westworld. That, oh, I wonder that I think that's Christopher Nolan's brother. Yeah, it's him and somebody else. They co what is her name? Shoot, I'm drawing a blank, but they co-produce it or co-show run it or whatever the word is for television and yeah, it's Jonathan Nolan is one of them. So I think that is definitely probably something that runs in the family. I've never seen anything else he's done solo or away from Chris Nolan because I've seen all the stuff he's done with Chris Nolan. I haven't seen, I don't believe, anything else he's done on his own. Well, now that you point that out, yeah, I mean, I think I can definitely see that. Even with the whole the series as a whole, definitely kind of has that Nolan feel to it in terms of narrative Mm -hmm. yeah i will say for uh, season three though they must have had uh easier casting call because they didn't have to put out a casting call that said you are gonna come in and you're gonna (laughs) stand around naked maybe covered in blood (laughs) because there really wasn't any of that compared to season one and two so they probably had a much easier time getting extras (laughs) Yeah, I mean, with the West World, the actual West World, I mean, I assume they needed a lot more extras than what they did for mm-hmm. for season three. Yeah. Well, I mean, to to the whole the uh, with West World uh, with Michael Crichton, like I said, I I, I kind of got intrigued, you know, to read some Michael Crichton because mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Westworld is Michael Crichton, and it's another story about a theme park gone wrong. So yep. I, I decided that I wanted to reread Jurassic Park and then read The Lost World because I had never read The Lost World. I had only seen the Spielberg sequel hmm. uh, to the movie. So I've been reading The Lost World now. I, I finished Jurassic Park, yep. uh, 
and I'm re I'm reading the Lost World right now, and I just it's really fascinating. At least like after reading Jurassic Park, realizing how much the three first movies really pull from that first book. Really? Because I mean, I've never, yeah, I'm gonna I'll say it. I've actually I've actually never read Jurassic excuse me Jurassic Park the book. It's uh. It's my buddy Dave's favorite book. He loves Michael Crichton as an author. Yeah, Michael Crichton's his favorite author, and Jurassic Park's his favorite Michael Crichton book. Um, but I've actually never read it, and I've always meant to. So you're actually, you now are actually making me want to read the book. Well, it's really intriguing because, like I said, like the three movies, well, I mean, two that Spielberg did, and then the third one, uh, especially the third one. Like, there was a lot of set pieces in the third one that is pulled right from the first book, Jurassic Park. Like, you know, the whole, uh, the river scenes where they're on the boat on the river, um, you know, the uh, aviary scene. You know, mm-hmm. there's an aviary in Jurassic Park, which yep. is not in the first film. Uh, that's something that comes later. I think they didn't even get, yeah, they got to that in Jurassic Park 3 and then obviously Jurassic World. Um but yeah, there's just so many things like in the first book that I'm like, that's in the second movie or that's in the third movie. Like, it's interesting how much they pulled from that first book. Um, and then the second book, I mean, at least so far, I'm like maybe uh, probably about close to halfway into it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, other than like some character names and setting, the setting obviously being um, Isla Sorna. Yep. There's not really any similarities to it to the actual Spielberg Lost World. And I've been really surprised that the character of Dotson, who is literally like a punchline cameo in the first Jurassic Park movie with Nedry, like mm-hmm. he's actually a main key player in the second book as like an antagonist. Hmm. Which I found pretty interesting. Like the whole that whole competitive company that we kind of got hints to in the first movie that's like an actual big story plot line in the second book wow uh so i found that interesting especially since recently we found out that that character the dotson character is actually coming back for the new jurassic world movie so Hmm. i actually haven't uh i didn't watch either jurassic world or what was it jurassic world 2 fallen kingdom fallen kingdom yeah Uh, and, but I have noticed all the returning folks for the third Jurassic <laughs> World movie, and I'm like, all right, now they're getting my attention because they're bringing back all these characters from the original Jurassic Park. I'm looking at Michael Crichton's bibliography. I've never read a single one of these books, although uh, there's a book here that was released after he died called pirate latitudes i think i own that book i just haven't read it yet but it's a pirate novel he wrote yeah i mean for anybody doesn't know i mean obviously people i think know jurassic park but he did a lot like a lot of his stuff was very much centered around like science and Mm -hmm. like you know kind of almost like science gone wrong in a lot of ways like um i think congo is another one of his i've never read but i've yep. seen the movie and andromeda strain too uh sphere which also got made into a movie yeah. yep timeline i think that was like a uh wasn't that like a 
They made that into a movie. I feel like maybe. Uh, let's see. Timeline. Uh, yeah, it was actually directed by Richard Donner. Oh, okay. Hmm. Uh, who the heck starred in that? I know oh. it was like... Oh, Paul Walker. That was the... I, oh, I, okay. I, I couldn't remember. I was like, it's not Heath Ledger, because Heath Ledger did the uh, first Night movie. Or... Yes, yep. And... Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Paul Walker, Gerard, Gerard Butler... Yeah. So, I mean, Crichton, I mean, R.I.P. is no longer with us, but right. man, he had like, you know, he wrote a lot of stuff that got adapted. I mean, Rising Sun, that's a Connery and uh, Snipes movie from back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, E.R. was very big. Um, that was Michael Crichton? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I just he was had- looking... He actually, I think, collaborated with Spielberg around the time he was doing Jurassic Park, because uh, Spielberg's name is on ER too. I see ER was a show I never watched, but obviously it's it's hard to uh, escape its pop culture significance because it was so big. But I had no idea that was either one of those two guys. Holy crap! Probably because I never yeah. watched it. I think I remember it because I I remember when that show aired. I mean, obviously it was in uh, 94, so that was like the height of Jurassic Park fever, Mm -hmm. you know. And I remember seeing Michael Crichton and Spielberg's name attached to it. And I was like, oh, I know Mm -hmm. that guy, Jurassic Park. Like, (laughs) because I had the Jurassic Park book by Michael Crichton, so. And also he was Twister, that's right, too. He was a co-writer on Twister. Oh, that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Now I've got to start re. I've been trying, although recently I've, uh, recently I'm trying to get through most of the works by one of my favorite authors, uh, Jonathan Mayberry, for his new, before his new novel comes out in, uh, November, because it's tangentially connected. He's does almost like a Stephen King thing where a lot of his things are tangentially connected. So before his new novel comes out, I want to make sure I at least get through the novels. I know it's connected to, um, so I'm, I'm reading a lot of him, but beyond that, I am trying to find new authors I've never read before just because I have found myself. It's like, obviously I read a ton of Stephen King. I've read a ton of Jonathan (laughs) Mayberry. And now I'm like, Maybe I gotta start reading some authors that aren't white dudes, <laughs> like <laughs> white men. So, like, I picked up a book recently at uh, Barnes and Noble that uh, had some pretty good reviews on Goodreads, and it's uh, one I'm gonna read pretty soon. It's called My Sister the Serial Killer. Um, I feel like I've heard of that. It's written by a, a black woman, and it's you know told from a woman's point of view and everything like that. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into this one. It's gotten some pretty good, uh, looks like it's got some pretty good reactions on Goodreads. So I'm gonna give this one a shot. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I with um, with Crichton, I hadn't read any of his stuff since, like I said, back when Jurassic Park came out. I read the book. Um, I feel like that was probably the only book I've read by him. So, 
I mean, like we were saying, I'm a big Stephen King fan, so it's been kind of interesting to dive into Crichton because he has such a different style of writing, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of tying it back to Westworld, like, obviously he's not a part of the Westworld series, but I feel like Nolan and whoever else is with him writing Westworld, I feel like they're, they're obviously Crichton fans because, like, Westworld has a lot of those, like, really deep, like, kind of you know, just really deep meaning, like conversations about, you know, existence and all this. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what the proper term, the theology is or pretty something. philosophical. Philoso- yeah, there we yeah. go. Philosophical. Like there is a lot of that in Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. Especially with Ian Malcolm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, we all love Jeff Goldblum as Malcolm, mm-hmm. but well, he he's is got nowhere. That, <laughs> that famous line. That, I mean, the, the, the line is a meme at this point. It's him, right? That's the your science was so busy wondering if they could, they never stopped and wondered if they, sh- you know, they never stopped yeah. and thought about if they should. <laughs> and that's like, in terms of like the book, that's like literally one track on his greatest hits in the book. I mean, he has right. so many great pieces of dialogue in the book that, like, uh, yeah, I mean, the the movie version of the character is like nowhere near as deep as as he is in the books. Hmm. Well, that's going to go on my list now because I'm going to have to get through that at some point. But, oh, man, it's that it's definitely a... it's definitely more R rated than um, than the Spielberg version. Sure. It's, it's a little more uh, it's a little more suspenseful, a little more horror elements to it. I mean, it's <laughs> that's another thing I've been sort of interested in over the past few years is like looking back on um, movies I've seen and then realizing, oh, yeah, I've never read the book that was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year, the year before I read shoeless joe which is the book field of dreams is based on oh really Um, yeah and it's one of the only times i've ever in my life said you know what i like the movie better (laughs) (laughs) uh it's not a bad book by any means but there's just some minor changes to the movie that i think actually make it better and then on my shelf i've had it on my shelf for years and i've just never gotten around to reading it but i'm going to at some point here in the near future is the godfather Mm. Yeah, I actually that reminds me. I I I haven't gone back to finish it, but I actually started reading Wise Guy, uh, which is what Goodfellas is based on. Right. Uh, and I was gonna. My plan was I was gonna read that one and Casino, which is the other one that Scorsese did. But it, they're both written by the same author. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wanting to read both of those, and the Wise Guy one's really good. But it's it's literally. I mean, it's. It's basically Henry Hill, kind of like in Goodfellas. He's kind of telling you his story and everything. Yeah. So uh, it's written in kind of a, you know, he, he, I don't know what kind of narrative that is. Maybe like a first person kind of narrative. Yeah. Like he's just kind of telling you about everything. We were Goodfellas, so. you know, that kind of yeah. first person. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but I, I was interested to check it out because I'm a, huge fan of those two movies so um yep. and i think that's the only two books that author ever wrote um probably was, yeah hmm. but yeah i've never read puzo's uh godfather either which i think didn't he he wrote like two or three of those books didn't he 
maybe, but I always forget, and seems like every time I forget this, that Mario Puzo is also responsible for Superman the movie. I always forget that, and then I was just reminded of again the other day, where I was like, oh yeah, that's right, he wrote uh, Superman the movie. Let's see. Uh, the Dark Arena. No, it looks like The Godfather, unless The Sicilian, let's see. He's got a novel here. Oh. Uh, it says got, it's set got in the, the same Godfather. universe as The Godfather. Yeah, but it's not actually... And then, let's see, The Last Dawn. Uh, now, it looks like The Godfather is, like, the only one in that... Like, it's the only The Godfather novel. Like and that, then the yeah, rest with are the, in the... Yeah. With that family. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, he wrote... Godfather, Godfather Part Two. He even wrote the screenplay for Earthquake and Never Superman one. one and Two. Oh, that's right, he wrote Superman Two as well. Yeah. Son of a gun. And oh. he wrote the Godfather Three. That was a <laughs> <laughs> that was a something. I'm one of the few people who will defend that movie kind of. <laughs> you know what? It's not like the worst. Like it has a it has a worse reputation than I think the movie actually is, but <laughs> I think it's just a victim of what came before it. I think that's I think that's its biggest flaw. Is it's yeah, I, and I know a lot of people. I know like our friend Guy Milks. He hates when I say this, but you know I think it's an apt mm-hmm. metaphor. I think it's you know it's a great um, epilogue to the two Godfather movies. If you look at yeah. it as just kind of an epilogue, like you know, it's fine. Cause that's really what it feels like. It feels like it's just kind of tying the tying up, uh, Michael's story. And yep. yeah, that's kind of it. It's nowhere near as, as deep and, you know, as the first two movies, but I think it works as like a nice little bookend. Yeah. And I've never looked into it and I'm not going to look into it right now, but it just popped into my head. I wonder if that was something, if that was like a story he wanted to tell or if the or if the studio was coming after him to tell that story because i was thinking about how like um thomas harris who wrote uh, red dragon silence of the lambs uh. and hannibal at one point the studio that owned the rights to his three novels was like uh, we're going to make a Hannibal Lecter origin movie. And he was like, no, you're not. There's no Hannibal Lecter origin novel. And they were like, <laughs> okay, well, we're going to make that movie. And they, so they had this big back and forth. And finally Thomas Harris said, fine, I'm going to write that novel and you're going to write it and you're going to make your movie based on my novel. But then he ended up writing a, pretty shitty novel that was made into an even shittier movie just because the studio was going to make the movie with or without him. So he went, you're not making it without me. Let me pound out this novel. That was uh, Hannibal Rising, wasn't it? Yep. Hannibal Rising. I never saw that one. I, I was actually, I watched Silence of the Lambs, uh, I think a week ago on one of the streaming mm-hmm. streaming services. I hadn't seen it in a while and I was like, 
I kind of want to dive into that world and see, because I, I don't think I've seen any of the other movies. I think I've seen parts of Hannibal, but not, like, the whole thing. Oh, you've never seen... Uh, here's an interesting one, if you've never done this. There were two movies made out of... Because the books are, they go in the order Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal. Mm-hmm. And Red Dragon was actually adapted for... First, before Silence of the Lambs, but they made it into a movie called Manhunter. Do you know this story? Mm, I do know this story, and it, uh, oh, I can't remember the actor's it's name. It's not, uh, hold on, I can't remember it either, uh, off the top of my head, because it's been a minute since I've seen it. Is it, is it Brian Cox that plays yes, Hannibal? it is, uh, Brian Cox, and then Dennis Farina is in it as Jack Crawford, and uh, Will Peterson, uh, who is most famous for being Gil Grissom on CSI, uh, mm. he is Will Graham in that movie. Okay. And if you want a study, in, it is a great version of how a book can be adapted two different ways. Because Manhunter actually is pretty close to the book. But it's a weird, not quite, like, uh, it's just kind of a crazy uh, mid-80s movie. Um, But then later on, they went back and readapted. This is also weird, because they went back and readapted Red Dragon when, um, after they had, it was after they had done... Both Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they did that because obviously Anthony Hopkins' yes. Hannibal is so, obviously that's what people always think of. So they probably wanted yes. to, you know, create that version but you know, of that movie. Because it's a prequel to Silence of the Lambs in which Anthony Hopkins is <laughs> much older than when he was in Silence of the Lambs because Red Dragon was made in 2002 and Silence of the Lambs was made in 1991. <laughs> well, this is before they had the uh, Scorsese de-aging technology, you yes. know. <laughs> but Red Dragon is also a really damn good movie. It's got Anthony Hopkins and yeah. Ed Norton and Mary Louise uh, Parker. And... and Liam Neeson, doesn't it? Isn't yeah, it Liam uh, Ray Neeson's? Fiennes. No, Ray Fiennes. Oh, Ray Fiennes. Mm-hmm. I always get those two confused. Yeah. They <laughs> look similar, actually. <laughs> but which, which really messes me up when I watch Schindler's List, because I'm like, I, I'm seeing double. <laughs> Oh, they are both in that movie, aren't they? Yeah. They're, yeah. One's the protagonist and one's the antagonist. Yeah, it's been a hot minute since I've seen that movie, too, because that's not like a, hey, I am I feel like popping in yeah. Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, I actually, you know, since we were talking I about you know, getting on here and recording for your show. I, I actually started another, well, I actually started two. I, uh, started the boys, uh, which I found okay. out there was only one season so far. So, so we, far, yeah. so we binged that first season and yeah. we were like, Oh, like, what did you think of it? I actually really enjoyed it. I, okay. I thought it was a pretty f- like fun concept. Um, mm-hmm. 
I found myself laughing at things that I probably shouldn't be laughing at, but... Oh, yeah, there is some <laughs> dark shit in that. In but terms I, of, like, I dark love the humor. whole, like, yeah, it's very much, like, dark humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the whole idea of, like, superheroes, like, being celebrities, and, like, it feels, mm-hmm. like, as ridiculous as it is, it's like, oh, yeah, like, this is, like, completely possible. Like Yeah, I... <laughs> enjoyed it and i feel like i'm the only person i know who thought it was okay like i enjoyed it enough but at the same time i was like it because all superheroes are corporate owned obviously which is uh-huh. it, uh i always called it like or i have been calling it rather an eighth graders interpretation of watchmen where instead (laughs) of superheroes being illegal superheroes have to have a corporate sponsor (laughs) Um, yeah just because it does have a lot of like you said the dark humor and the the hyper violence and the hyper sex and there is (laughs) it does have one of the most uncomfortable things i ever watched but also I kind of appreciated the message behind it was um, when I can't remember any of the characters real names. I always like uh, their version of Aquaman. Yeah. The deep, the deep. (laughs) Thank you. It's so stupid. They have their version of Superman, their version of Wonder Woman, their version of the flash and their version of Aquaman. That's how I always think of it. But, uh, his whole, like, him spending the entire series being a sexual harasser slash uh-huh. rapist, and then eventually the tables get turned on him. And I'm like, now there's a commentary. There's commentary <laughs> in there that I like a lot. Um, but on the whole, I'm like, eh, it's okay. Like, I may or may not watch season two. We'll see. <laughs> I I do like, and I, I mean, it's based on a comic series that I've never read, but I... I love the whole, um, you know, because we, I mean, this is like a huge argument within the geek community about, you know, Superman, how, you know, you have a huge portion of fans who like, they don't want Superman to be like the all American boy scout kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And I love how Mm -hmm. like in the boys, like their version of Superman, who's called Homelander is literally like this, like almost like red state, puppet kind of you know like yeah (laughs) i mean he literally is like the worst like nightmare for people who don't want superman to be the you know (laughs) a hundred percent like the the scene where him and wonder woman i can't think of her name either i can only think (laughs) but when homelander and wonder woman who's not wonder woman but that's all i can think of to call it get on the plane and she's like we need to save these people and he's basically just like nope and just (laughs) die i'm like holy crap like that blew my mind when i that is one of those ones where i watched that and i went now that's dark well, and there's like a there's like a part which I caught and I had to bring it up to my wife. There's a part where he's like he's like talking about um I, I think it was like after the plane thing and he's talking mm-hmm. about like uh he literally quotes the George W. speech after nine eleven after the towers came down where he's like 
I hear you and the world hears you and soon like, you know, they're going to hear you. Like it's literally word for word George mm-hmm. W. Bush's speech. And I'm like, oh, I see what they're going for here. I mean, he literally has an American flag as a cape. Yes. Like he <laughs> speaks at these like the evangelical, like, you know, right wing Christian festivals. And so, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just. It's literally like the version of Superman that people do not want to see, like, but it's like dialed up to 11. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he absolutely is. He is uh, all American boy, quote unquote, but also 100% like the villain. <laughs> yes. So, oh, yeah. I do like uh, I, which I didn't know till I looked it up. I didn't know that that was Dennis Quaid's son, who is like the main. Yeah, I didn't know like, that either. Yep. I, yeah, I didn't know that. He, uh... I will say the part where his girlfriend gets it was pretty Ooh. horrific. Yeah, well, <laughs> and again, it, that's one of those ones that's hyper violent. But when you stop and think about it for even a second, you go, "Oh yeah, if someone was running around that fast." and they collided with something, that would be a disaster. <laughs> um, well, and I think that's what I like about it, as ridiculous as some of it is, is just the whole, like, yeah, like, I could see this happening. Like, a superhero would have to have some kind of PR team or attorneys to keep him from being sued for collateral mm-hmm. damage, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. that just seems like something that would be real, like, in our world. <laughs> and maybe that's part of it, where I'm like, most of the reason I enjoy superheroes is to kind of check out for a few minutes. Yeah. So sometimes the deconstructing thing is not always what I'm looking for, where I stop and go, oh, yeah, because I actually read an article today that was about, it was like seven things that, like, the superhero movies would never show you about why you couldn't be a super. And one of them was like... uh Quicksilver would literally go insane because he processes information so quickly that even standing in line at the grocery store would seem like days to him because his thought process is so far ahead of everybody else's that he would lose his mind and like Batman wouldn't be able to hide the fact that he funnels millions or maybe even billions of dollars out of his company to build his own private tech he wouldn't be able to hide that from the irs and all this other stuff and i'm like you know what i don't need to think about that when i read a superhero comic (laughs) no i get that i it's like pulling the uh you know i don't know like like you said, it's deconstructing. It's like taking your favorite toy and taking it apart and showing you how it works kind of thing. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I don't need to see that. Um, I think if the show didn't have the humor that it does, I, I would be in the same boat. I would be like, yeah, this is like, yeah, I get it. Superheroes wouldn't work in the real world because of all these, Mm -hmm. you know, red tape and conundrums, but that's fine. But the fact that they kind of poke fun at, themselves a lot like yeah and the characters are just like you said the aquaman character is just mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous i mean it's like i said if it didn't have the humor i wouldn't i wouldn't be on board with it but i've i've gotten a kick out of it and i've laughed yeah. a lot watching it so at least so far after one season we'll see what happens in season two 
I mean, you gotta love Billy Butcher. He's yes, <laughs> a great watch on that. He's always uh, a joy when he's on the screen. So, and Elizabeth Shue. I mean, Elizabeth Shue's always mm-hmm. fun to see pop up. That's true. She also is really good in the series. I'll because uh, she hadn't been in anything for a while. I don't think. Yeah, it's. I feel like she was in something pretty relevant. Uh, recently, but I can't remember what it was. I will look real quick, because I'm on the boys... uh... Oh boy, that picture of her on her Wikipedia page doesn't even look like her. Holy moly. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. What did Elizabeth Shue do that was very big recently besides... She was this year in a movie called Greyhound. I don't know what that is. Is that the uh, Tom Hanks movie over at Apple TV? That could be, yep. yep. I think that's that World mm. War II movie. Oh, Elizabeth Shue did a lot just on a show I didn't watch. She was on. She had a main role for like 71 episodes of CSI from 2012 to 2015. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what I get for not watching, you know, CSI. But yeah, that's not doing nothing, so that's a pretty serious... Oh. oh yeah, she was in she was in that 2018 remake of Death Wish with uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, That's I didn't what... see that either because I heard it was uh, yeah, it's pretty bland. It's I mean it's it's Death Wish. I mean it's you mm-hmm. know <laughs> you kind of know what you're going into. I mean, but it was yeah. I think it, Eli Roth was a part of that one, so it's got Probably. some pretty good kills in it. Yeah, but so. I also heard, and maybe, you know, it's hard to tell, but with Bruce Willis, I, it's always kind of hard to tell what you're going to get, because uh, in, yes. in the later parts of his career, he seems to show up for a paycheck <laughs> for a lot of stuff and doesn't really give a performance that doesn't seem like he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> well, yeah, and I will say, I remember uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is his brother in that movie, and he acts circles around bruce willis in that movie well vincent d'onofrio acts circles around most people he's fantastic that's true (laughs) i even not too long ago rewatched men in black and even in that movie he's just and that's a earlier film for him he's quite a bit younger in that film and he's still just acting the hell out of that movie Yeah, I don't feel like he gets. I mean, he hasn't done like a like a ton of roles where he he does this, but he does like when he gets certain types of roles like mm-hmm. that or like the Kingpin and mm-hmm. there. I mean, he just really like disappears well, into the role. I, I mean, think for a while he had trouble getting work because he had a reputation of being difficult because for a while, this is something I just learned recently. He, I guess, uh, did the, the method actor thing where Mm. like on set he got real and eventually he realized, Oh, there was like one particular film, I guess that afterward he finally went, Oh, I was really a pain in the ass to those people. I need to stop this and just be, and now I guess he's much easier. So maybe for a while he wasn't getting a lot of work or something. Cause he had that reputation. I don't know. He's got a long filmography on Wikipedia. I know that he's had a lot of like 
I mean, I'm sure a lot of them are like smaller roles, obviously. Sure. But, I'd yeah, put he's him been in. A, been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I'd watch him in just about anything because <laughs> I do like him. In fact, hell, even if they aren't going to do anything with that version of Daredevil any again, ever again, just bring him back and have him play Wilson Fisk again <laughs> for something else. Oh, I just realized something. Uh, that Death Wish movie was kind of a reunion between him and Elizabeth Shue because they were both in Adventures in Babysitting. Oh my god, that's right, they were. <laughs> yeah, he was our first live-action Thor on the big screen. Wow, that's right. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot all about that, because I think I've seen... I don't think I've seen that whole movie. I think I've seen part of it. It's been it's been a while. I know my wife like really loves that movie. Mm. Interesting. He also recently played... Well, within the last... He played the wizard... Oh, yeah, that was like that weird sci-fi version of... Or, no, it wasn't on sci-fi. It was on NBC. There was a show called Emerald City, and he played the Wizard of Oz oh. in that. Huh, weird. Well, I'm learning things, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, last night I started watching The Umbrella Academy. Have you started watching that at all? I haven't seen that. I have heard good things about it, though. Yeah, I was, I mean, I went into it, I I think I'd heard another podcast talk about it, and I was like, mm -hmm. eh, you know, I might check that out, you know, because they kind of described it as, like, this, similar to, like, the X-Men, kind of this guy mm -hmm. adopts these kids that have abilities. Um, yeah, because they were all, like, born at the same time on the same day to women that weren't pregnant when they woke yeah. up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like yeah. this really, I mean, you kind of get to see that in like the opening scenes of the first episode of this girl just becoming pregnant, like just randomly and just giving mm -hmm. birth to a kid within like a couple minutes. Yeah. And um, the most fascinating thing about it that I, I found fascinating anyway is it's based on a comic series that's written by the lead singer and frontman of that band, My Chemical Romance. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it kind of has, <clears throat> it, at least like so far this first season, there's two seasons out right now. Um, mm -hmm. But so far in the first season, I mean, you could definitely tell like he is a, I mean, if you know my chemical romance, this probably isn't any huge revelation, but you can sure. tell he's a, he's a very big Tim Burton fan because it kind of has like some Tim Burton flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Um, just with like the, the score and just some of the, the visuals and the way some of the characters look like it, it definitely feels kind of Tim Burton-y. Mm -hmm. Um, think my youngest stepdaughter watched the first season of this show parts i'm looking at the i may have walked in and out of the room while she was watching it or something like that because some of this looks familiar to me huh. okay yeah. from what i've gathered i mean we're i think three or four episodes in it's i mean it's definitely it, it's kind of like got kind of a Westworld kind of storytelling in that you're it's a slow burn that we're kind of trying to piece together some mysteries and i mm -hmm. feel like you know by the end of the season or 
whatever, we'll kind of get all those answers. But, um, yeah, Ellen Page is in it. You know, she's always yep. good. Oh, Tom Hopper from Game of Thrones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, I mean, if you're looking for something that's kind of superhero, but not as, you know, it's kind of a polar opposite of the boys that we were just talking about. Yeah. It's a little, <laughs> little more fantastical and a little more lighthearted. Um, oh, and it was originally published by Dark Horse. They do a lot of good stuff. So Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so check that out. It's on Netflix. Yeah. And they just dropped the second season, I believe, so. Yeah, I saw something about that. Uh, something. Probably on Real Fans. One of the Real Fans groups on Facebook. I probably <laughs> saw that. It, oh. it, it's so funny, and I mean, I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but there's a character to, to kind of tell you about how the show is. I mean, there, there are things in the show where you're just kind of like, is nobody going to address that this there's a character that looks like this and is doing this? Like, <laughs> you know, it just kind of, yeah, yeah. just kind of like, and maybe they'll answer these questions as you go along. But right now it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. this is the world you're in and this is normal and you just yeah. go with it. <laughs> it's like, okay. So like if, sort of like if say one of them was like a chimp and nobody mentioned the fact that, <laughs> well, that's it's kind of funny you say that because there is a chip. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so oh, yeah, <laughs> that's great. I okay, I'll check it out. I've got. Uh, I'm not really currently watching anything super current except. Uh, ooh, tomorrow is the season finale of Doom Patrol. Yes. Mm. Have you been watching Doom Patrol? I haven't. I, oh. I haven't got on Doom Patrol. Um, it's I tell every I badgered Justin for the <laughs> longest time. I kept telling him you have HBO watch or I, I kept telling him uh, you have um, when HBO Max finally came out. You have HBO Max now. Watch Doom Patrol. <laughs> and he finally did. And he's just as hooked on it. So. Yeah, I'll have to. I think that if we uh, wrap up Umbrella Academy within the next week or so, I, I yeah. think I may get my wife to check that one out. And yep. Start watching. And, that. and the so other that's one, like, what two seasons or? It's is, yeah. T- uh, tomorrow, uh, as we record this, is, is the second season finale, and the second season is shorter than the first season. So yeah, okay. Yeah. And the other one, I've got to recommend if you haven't watched this one yet. Maybe you have. I because this was one I was late on. Is what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Mm, I've seen a couple of those like when it first aired and mm-hmm. I thought it was, it was, it was pretty fun and interesting, but I haven't, haven't revisited it, but I yeah, I, I, I noticed through... it's become kind of like this thing now. So <laughs> I went through all of it this week, all two seasons. It's so funny. dude. I was like, I was like, why did nobody show this to me sooner? It's so funny so it's i mean it's just it's vampires on long island and they're super out of touch because they're 700 years old (laughs) Uh, and it makes it even funnier that they're so out of touch because they've apparently been living in america for a very long time (laughs) like like it it shows them being around like uh, one of the episodes i just finished at the end of season two yesterday showed one of them like 
in disco attire in the early 80s or late 70s or whenever the hell disco was. Mm. <laughs> or, yeah, late 70s, I guess. So I was like. Yeah, it's, it definitely plays on the fish out of water, mm-hmm. you know, gags. It's documentary style. Uh, it's it's really great. That's my biggest recommendation to everybody lately. <laughs> In fact, I even though I just watched both two seasons this week, I may make my wife sit down and watch it. I may watch it all over. Because they're only half-hour episodes, and there's only uh. Uh, ten each season. So it's not like a huge... T- How many were... Let me check real quick. I got an app on my phone for shows i've been watching so uh yeah 10 episodes each season so it's not a yeah. huge time commitment yeah yeah because that's on fx right yeah and it's on hulu because uh hulu has all the fx stuff right now i think uh-huh yeah well man we've been going on for over an hour now i just noticed so might be getting around time to start wrapping i could we don't i don't get a lot of time to sit and chat with other folks so it's always kind of nice and you just mentioned you just mentioned guy i was thinking about guy uh our buddy guy milks uh because i haven't been on an episode of your show with him in a minute and i always like sitting down and see. i listen to guy a lot on other pot on your podcast and on other podcasts but i don't get to talk to guy a lot so maybe guy will be the next person i invite on the next time i have an open spot to fill yeah we have uh we I, i'm gonna be recording with him hopefully next week it's been a minute since he's been on my podcast even though he's kind of my regular co-host but mm-hmm. uh he's just been <clears throat> there for a while when i was i was wanting to do some episodes he was kind of busy uh yeah, I know his, he's been spending on, a lot of time with his boys yeah and i know his oldest son i think just had like his graduation ceremony mm. uh like a week ago yeah which was you know kind of i mean it, weird but not weird for 2020 i mean it's yeah just <laughs> so, nothing so, yeah. is weird this year apparently uh, so i do apologize anybody out there like we didn't get to talk about any toys or anything i know no, that's it's good. one of the things you and justin kind of hit on but <laughs> yeah no it's good it's we that's all that's all he and i have been talking about a lot lately because there's not anything going on in the world so. I mean, I will say I am planning on getting one of those uh, Creep Show Creep Funko Pops whenever I get around to it. They also have coming out. I don't know if you saw this, the Scarecrow from that episode with um, uh, the Living Scarecrow. Mm. There's going to be one of those as well. So I keep I well I haven't done it in a while, but I was tagging uh, Funko on Twitter to. Mm-hmm. They really need to give us a Jordy Verrill Stephen King Funko Pop. Hell yeah. Oh my god. Speaking <laughs> of Jordy Verrill, the thing you posted on your Twitter with the illustration of Jordy Verrill with the moss growing off his face and then with Homer Simpson like in the gif where he just nopes back into the bush. <laughs> I'm going to have to repost that on the Two Bro Geeks Twitter. Or people can just go over and find Jeremy Dark Tower Radio on Twitter. It's just, I saw that a few minutes ago before, well, over an hour ago at this point before we started recording. I was just laughing. That was so damn good. Yeah, 
fun Stephen King stuff like that is it's not as easy to find, but when I do find them, I I always share them just because they're mm-hmm. always so good. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I know what I, I just remembered. What I wanted to tell you while you were on this podcast because it's so fun. I have a bet going with another friend of mine because um, he swears up and down they're gonna make a third it movie and i was like no i don't really see that happening and so we ended up making a bet and it's if it's not in production by i want to say september 13th of 2022 mm-hmm. i can't remember off the top of my head the exact date we agreed upon but um it's sometime in 20 september of 2022 and so that was our bet, like one of us is going to win or lose. And he posted a thing yesterday. He's just like, oh, I'm just leaving this here for no reason. And I ran him up one side and down the other in a joking way because it was an article from We Got This Covered <laughs> <laughs> about how they're planning the third It movie and how it might be another time jump where somehow Pennywise comes back from the dead and the Losers Club have to go back and fight him again. And I'm like, did you read this article? Did you... They'll be, what, (laughs) 70 years old or something like that? Did you... Do you not know what We Got This Covered is? It's like the clickbait capital of the internet. Come back when you've got some better evidence that I'm going to lose this bet. (laughs) What's well, funny? I I thought I thought the article you were gonna say was something else because I had <clears throat> I had heard those rumors and then I I saw some people circulating. I didn't see any articles per se, but people were circulating this whole uh, fan theory, I guess, that Stephen mm-hmm. King is working on a it sequel. Well, that was also in the We Got This Covered article. Uh, yeah. And I it was, was like, like, it was like, well, they <laughs> they don't know yet if uh, they they don't know yet if it's gonna be like uh, wholly original material created in the writer's room, or maybe Stephen King is gonna be writing like some more source material that they can base it. I was just like, dude, if you if you're so desperate that you think you're gonna win this bet, that you're coming at me with, we got this covered, <laughs> like. I mean, <laughs> I mean, those movies made all the money. Yeah. So, I mean, is it out of the realm of possibility? No, but one, I I would like to think Andy Muschietti has enough respect for King that he wouldn't want to be a part of a project that doesn't involve something that King wrote mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. And, and two... Anybody that thinks they know what King is writing and what he has coming out in the near future is like delusional because especially since he surprised the (laughs) shit out of everybody. What was it yesterday or the day before when he uh, said that he was releasing another one of his hard case crime novels? Yeah, who saw a third one of those coming? Because I didn't. Uh, Yep, (laughs) it's not like the first two were gigantic sellers or anything. It's not like. As far as I know, I don't think anybody was clamoring for a third one of those, but he just writes what he wants to. I mean, there are literally five people that I would ever believe, and really, I don't even know (laughs) if 
if three of them would even know what he's yeah. writing, and that would be, you know, his wife and his kids, but even mm-hmm. they, I don't think, know everything and that he's writing or has in the works, so... <laughs> I would... I I would also bet, and not that he would tell anybody, but I also bet that probably Richard Chismar would have some kind of yes. working yeah. knowledge of maybe what's going on on Stephen King's word uh, word documents. <laughs> yeah, he he does. Uh, at least according to him, when I talk to him, he does get some emails from King sometimes about mm-hmm. stuff yeah. to have him kind of read and give his thoughts on. So yeah. Yep. Yeah, he would be another one, yeah. But an It sequel, I don't... No, I really I find that hard to believe. I mean, Doctor Sleep was something that I don't think he ever planned to ever write. And that came years after The Shining. I mean, I guess, you know, if he it's wrote a it, long it's time since now. Yeah, it's yeah. been a long time since It, but I just don't... I don't know, I don't see... Granted, he could surprise me, but I didn't see Dr. Sleep being a thing either, so... The only way an It sequel would have worked is if he would have released it 27 years after the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since Probably. that's not going to happen, then yeah, let's not do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, I don't... I don't love the idea of everything the losers went through being undone. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is something we've seen in other franchises, so... I know. Yeah. So, we'll we won't see. go down that rabbit hole, but yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but. All right, well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, Jeremy. I'm very glad you came, and I would probably talk to you for the rest of the night if I could, but... <laughs> hey, imagine... I'm... I'm just glad I fit the criteria. I am a I am a broke geek, even though yeah. I'm not one of the two broke geeks. I am a broke geek. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't necessarily need to fit the criteria. I was. Oh God! One other thing, I did have the thought. Um, I was at work, and I think about a lot of stuff when I was at work. I was like, you know, if I won the lottery and had five hundred million dollars, I would probably still worry about money. If I had five hundred million dollars, I'd be like. Oh God, oh God, I can't, uh, if I spend, if I buy this thing, if, uh, am I all of a sudden just going to, what happens? Because <laughs> I just have that anxiety personality, especially when it comes, so I would still be like, I'm still a broke geek, and somebody would be like, you have millions of dollars, oh, and yes. I'd be like, I know, yeah. but I'm afraid to spend it, like, what would I'm, happen? I'm I, totally with you on that, I, anytime an I come into, like, a little bit of sum of money for something, even if I sell something, I'm like... I don't know what to spend this on. I don't want to spend it. (laughs) Yeah, like, what if there's an emergency? (laughs) What if I have, you know, oh, Oh, God. All right, Jeremy, tell everybody. Yeah, I know, exactly. That's the problem. Oh, buddy, tell everybody where to find you out out on the interwebs. Uh, well, like I said uh, at the beginning, you can find me over at my podcast, Dark Tower Radio, which is an all-Stephen King podcast. So if you want to hear me talk more Stephen King, and and if you want to find Matt on some of the episodes, he's been on there several times, and he'll be on yep. future episodes as well. So you can yep. check us out wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter just by searching Dark Tower Radio. Totally worth it. All right, well, that does it for this episode. Thanks again, Jeremy, for being here. And everybody, we'll, uh, well, uh, Justin will be back on the next episode. And uh, that's it for now. Later. Later.
Cool. Well, thanks. That was a good time. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully Justin has safe travels. Yeah, he's back. He's um, in a camper in his his parents' <laughs> yard doing his uh, two-week quarantine away from... I mean, he's gone in and seen his family everything, but his... Uh, his mother runs a daycare out of the house, so during the day yeah. he can't spend a ton of time in the house just because he doesn't. You know, he came all the way across the country from Cal, and he's he hasn't really gone out anywhere except to like the grocery store and everything. And he's done the mask and everything, so he doesn't think he's sick, but he's like, I'm not gonna go in the house where the kids are and make all yeah. the parents feel unsafe or anything like that. So he's out in a, a camper trailer in the yard for two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, when you told me he was traveling, I was like, "Ooh!" Like, yeah, cause, cause he, we thought we thought about traveling for my vacation and decided yeah. against it. But yeah, visiting family, I completely understand that. Yeah, well, not only that, he was his his roommates like I guess are kind of messy. Like they don't like take care of dishes and they don't take care of the, and they fight a lot. They're a couple, his roommates, <laughs> and he's like, "I'm tired of being locked in a very small space with these people. I gotta go." see other people i gotta go see my mom and dad and my sister so he just put everything in his car and took off it's awesome i'd be curious how long because you said he drove right yeah it took him he made an extra stop than he planned because his way his gps decided to take him through like uh extra took him like a longer way than he intended for whatever reason mm. i think it took him he left friday and got here yesterday so friday wow. saturday sunday monday tuesday i think it was supposed to take him three days but it took him four because his wow. gps took Crazy. him on a little detour yeah i told him when you go back I hope you know enough in advance so that I can take the time off and then we can go across the country together. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's right in your neck of the woods. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. like you said, you were planning on going to – maybe next year we can make it work where if every if the world is better, we can, all, <laughs> yeah. we can go to Bangor and do the – yeah, do the dairy. I mean, Bangor tour. <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. It's just a question of when, not if. Of so. course. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, All I'm right. gonna get off here and go eat some dinner. Thanks for yeah. having me again. Yeah. No problem. You'll be back. All right. <laughs> I'll have you back. <laughs> Talk to you All later, right, buddy. Dude. See ya. Later. The Two Broke Geeks podcast is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment in conjunction with Atomic Geekdom. Find us online at twobrokegeeks.com. We're available on iTunes, Google Play Music, and the Satchel Player app for iPhone and for Android. Please subscribe to us on one of these services and leave us a review. It really helps us out. You can also help us out by following us on Facebook, facebook.com slash twobrokegeekspodcast, following our Twitter at 2BGpod, and following us on Instagram where we are also 2BGpod. Find Atomic Geekdom online at AtomicGeekdom.com and on Twitter at Atomic Geekdom. Thanks.